Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man, Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone's good in the world. How are we doing, everybody? Matt Guy here. Hope everybody's having a fantastic end of January. And it won't be the first when this goes up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, well, we've already broke the fourth wall because I tweeted about uh, about recording tonight. So there you go. That's how real so, we are on this podcast. Well, there you go. Then first of the month, rabbits. Pinch punch first of the month. No, rabbits. Rabbits? What are you on about? You say rabbits at the first yeah, first of the month? That's a thing? Is this another Victorian age stew thing? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's, Parry used to do it on TalkSport every every single first day, first day of the month he was on. He used to say rabbits as soon as he came on, on air. Well, at least we've, in the first 30 seconds of the pod, we've got the next poll. <laughs> yeah. is, is rabbits a thing? <laughs> well, if it wasn't before, it is now. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. We'll see about that one. <laughs> so this week we have got quite a bit of news to get through before we get into the, the main meat of the pod. So let's jump right in. Last time out during the question cast, we had quite a bit of Tomb Raider chat. And it seems like the powers that be must have heard us. Because Netflix have announced they are producing an anime series set after the recent Tomb Raider uh, reboot game series. Mm. Yep. And also, speaking of Tomb Raider, the sequel to the Alicia Vikander movie has been confirmed as being alive and kicking still. Uh, it's gone for it through a change, though, so it's no longer going to be Ben Wheatley directing. We're getting Misha Green. Uh, she's going to be writing and directing the film. And Misha is best known for Lovecraft Country. <gasps> now, Stu, I know you watched Lovecraft Country, so. What what should we be expecting from Misha Green? Incredibleness. That's why I, <laughs> I wondered why this was this was aimed at me in the running order, but I know there is planning <laughs> in this as well. But now it was a lot of so it's that kind of taking that on its own. It's very Lovecraftian, and it's obviously, but very vivid, very vivid, slow paced. You have to kind of give it a chance and concentrate. There ain't, but saying that, when there is action scenes in it, it's not shaky cam or any of that bollocks. It's mm. it's really well done. I mean, I, I've talked about that for the last six months. I don't know how great that series is. And yeah. It's just, it's one of them things where you want to concentrate and not pay half attention to your phone and just scrolling for the sake of scrolling. You want to watch it. And if it's anywhere near that kind of quality, then I'm all in on this. This is superb news. Excellent. Matt, are you much of a fan of anime? I can't say I've really dipped my toe much into anime. It's always one of those things that I've I had a kind of artistic guilt about not being into and like some of my mm. friends will be into it and say, Oh, there's this great anime and I I'd like come out and go, Uh yeah, yeah, Ghost in the Shell's great. And that might <laughs> not even be anime as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, like do you know what I mean? Um it, it's just it's just never been it's just never been something I've I've been into, but always felt like I've missed out. And it's 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 like it's like the Final Fantasy franchise, for example, a completely different tangent. But because I've, I know they're different stories, but because I've only ever played the one, I feel like I don't know where to start. And that's how I feel about anime in a way. Like there's that much out there. Um, mm. Am I ever going to scratch the surface of it and you know and enjoy it? 
Yeah. I mean, I much like you, I feel like it's something I would probably enjoy if I looked at it, but I just don't know where to begin. Mm. I'm sure I mean, there's plenty on plenty on Twitter that can lead us in the right direction, to be fair. Absolutely. If you've got any recommendations for us where to start, please let us know. I mean, if you look at the header on our Twitter account, you would 100% think that we watched anime between oh, yeah. us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I, I mean, I, I'm going to say big into it. I've watched a few things and I've watched the Studio Ghibli stuff. If you want to start somewhere, start there. Um, but, like you've already mentioned, Ghost in the Shell and Akira the obvious ones. Um, but it's one of the things where you, when you get into it, you can get kind of obsessed. So it's, mm. it's why I've kind of kept it at arm's length as much as possible. So, and Al watches it, I mean, obviously, but she's a 16 year old girl. So of course she will. <laughs> but yeah, I know a few people who, who well into it and it's their, like their main thing. They are anime and they draw mm. anime and they kind of live and breathe anime where we do for football. So, it's one of them things where you can jump in and out of it, but beware because it, it can take hold very quickly. I mean, I know they've done some Batman anime stuff, and as you both know, I'm massively into my, my Batman. And even that didn't really scratch the itch for me. Uh, I've seen the odd little bits of it. I think I've seen some Attack on Titan. I quite enjoyed it. But nothing's particularly grabbed me yet. I'm waiting for that one film to really sink its teeth in and, and not let me go, I think. I know you, you could try. if I think it's still on Netflix. Sword Art Online. That's um, okay. That's that's a series. So that's that's pretty accessible. Give it a couple of... Give it two or three episodes. If you don't like it, then jump out. But yeah, it's... you. Always it's based on games as well. And you've got that kind of angle. So... But yeah, it... To answer the question that wasn't even a question to start with, yeah, that, if you want to jump in and don't want to be overwhelmed, I'd give that a go. Okay, very cool. In other game film news, thanks to Entertainment Weekly, we have got our first images from the Mortal Kombat movie. Uh, the images don't really tell you much about it, to be perfectly honest, but the interview has indicated that the movie is going to be R-rated. Um, so they're not appealing to the tween audience this time. And apparently we're going to be getting some of the iconic fatalities, which were sorely lacking in the original two films. And also some brutal hand-to-hand combat, according to the director. Did either of you two see the Mortal Kombat Rebirth or Legacy web series? Yeah, I did, and I thought they were they're absolutely sensational. Yeah, like they were just incredible. I how how like fan you know fans can put together something so in so detailed and so high budget. It would appear it looked like it was just just blew me away at the time. Yeah, because I remember them saying back in. I think it was 2011 or 12 when they first came out. They were saying back then that the guy, uh, Kevin Tank- Tankerion, I think his name is, that he was going to be lined up to make the next film. Mm. But that film never came about. And then all of a sudden we're a decade down the line. And this has seemingly come from nowhere. They haven't made much of a fuss about this film until now. And I think it's due out like late summer. I think there's um, obviously there's, there's there's always been a consistent appetite for the um, for the game series, and I just think that in the culture of we've got to gather as much content as possible. It's it's 
it's not really a gamble, I don't think, because there's always going to be people that want to go see Kung, mm. Kung Fu slash Supernatural slash gaming films. So I'm not surprised, to be honest, that, that now there's there's an appetite for it. I mean, we we even talked about it two weeks ago, about the new characters like Rambo and Robocop being in Mortal Kombat 11. So for this to be announced now, I mean, it, ironically, I have... It's on. I'll go into it later because it's on what we've watched. But a film by a film called Insert Coin that's about the studio Midway and Mortal Kombat and the original movie <laughs> and how it came about. And that is all I've seen. That original movie. I never watched the series or anything like that. I've seen the, the shit film. But the best part of that, about that film is the soundtrack. Yeah, and even that was. Um... It was iconic, but not necessarily for the right reasons. You mean you, you didn't have that as your, uh, as you in the, the old WAP days, as you found ring, <laughs> as you found polyphonic phone ringtone. No, my polyphonic ringtone was The Exorcist. Well, of course, it, of course, it was. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> uh, in comic book movie news, we've had confirmation that Zack Snyder's Justice League isn't going to be split into a four-part series. Yes. It's just going to be one four-hour film. Personally, I think that's a good thing. I would very much want to see the film rather than splitting it into a TV show. I don't think a film is as easy to just cut there, and that's the first episode. There is an art to making TV shows. Stu, were you happy that it's going to be a film and not a show? This is how I was going to watch it anyway. I was never going to wait unless, well, unless they release, release them all at once. I was never going to watch part one and then wait a week. Not with this. But mm. the only thing is, it's four hours. <laughs> and when was the last time you went four hours without having a piss? Really? Oh, it's not going to happen. At that age. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it, well, you, even... you talk, you're talking to people that watch pro wrestling events. This is a, <laughs> you know, this is an art form we have down to a T. So, oh, God, yeah. When it, even in Lord of the Rings on the Blu-rays, well, for all of them, the DVD Blu-ray and the uh, the 4K Blu-ray, it's still split in half each film, the extended edition, because it's too big. But it's, it's a, the journey continues on disc two, and that's been the case for the last 20, 10, 15 years. But it's an ideal piss break, and it's fine. So that's <laughs> it's going to be one of them things where I think the last film that we went to see that was almost three hours long. I can't remember what it was, but I kind of don't drink all day. I have very minimal liquids just to, just to train my body so that this isn't an issue and I have to get up. And to be fair, in a cinema, I've never missed a second. Oh, man. I remember needing to piss so badly during The Force Awakens. Like, and it was like towards the end, towards the end. You know what's coming anyway, but like, I was like, literally, my leg was shaking and I was like, I was in a seat, like, <laughs> I was, it was horrible. And I thought, I'm just going to piss myself here because I could, there was, it's a, a full cinema. Do you know what I mean? I can't get up now, right at the very end, just for the big reveal. Um, it was horrible. And I was literally just felt like, my, oh God, I'm thinking about it now. And I'm drinking this pint of water thinking the worst <laughs> is going to happen. <laughs> so this week on the Twitter, we put out a poll asking people, would they rather binge or would they rather save or something? So when you're watching like the latest series, would you binge it in one go or would you rather go one a week? Now, Matt, I know that you're a big fan of The Boys as well. Season one dropped as a whole mm -hmm. 
from what I remember. And season two, they broke it up a week. Yeah. Where are you falling on this poll? Are you in one or take your time? The purist in me wants to watch it episodically week by week as it would have been on television uh, or it would have been easy to digest and appreciate. And I think the anticipation of having a once a week episode, you look forward to that that time of the week that you get to watch it and you, you build up a bit of, you know, apprehension mm. isn't the word, but excitement about it. But my my heart wants to digest something that I enjoy so much. I just want to keep going and keep going and keep going. So, you know, we've watched, um, we've watched series one of the Mandalorian in like three days and we're about a third of the way through series two now. And it's just, and because we just want to consume it as, as quickly as possible because we're enjoying it so much. But I, th- I think the purist in me wants to watch it episodically. That being said, um, American Gods Series 3 is out now, and I'm leaving it a few weeks so I could just have a binge like three episodes in a row. Oh, no, I'm enjoying American Gods going one at a time, taking the time, sitting down and actually paying attention to it. Yeah, yeah, and I, I probably should do that, to be fair, but I also know that, I'm an incredibly impatient person, so I like I like having the option of having that there and available to me. Hmm. Stu, where do you fall on this? I mean, where I, where where I fall on the pole now is, um, I think when when I'm trying to think, what was the first one that did it? Really, was it one of the, the um, was it Daredevil that started it all? Because it must have been a Netflix series of some kind because it, it hadn't been possible before then. Well, like re- releasing think... everything at once in like yeah. one go. Yeah, there, there would have been. Uh, it probably would have been older series that I would have binged prior to it. But I think that Daredevil's the first one that sticks out as just dropping in one go. Yeah, because I think when that when that happened, and it, I mean we've all done it with box sets anyway, because that's why well, wouldn't you? But I think when it started, then it was like a race to oh, let's get it all done and then talk about it. But then. It's the thing of once it's over, then what are you going to do for the next 50 weeks, 51 weeks of your life? So I've kind of gone the other way now, and I, I say purist way, but like the situation we're in now where I'll have an hour in the after, at lunchtime to do my thing when it's free from children and chaos. So I'll watch something, but I'll watch something of, of a series and then, don't touch it again like at night. I'll keep it for like one per day just for that reason. So I've got something to think about and savor it that way. But I think if it was one a week, like we, we're suffering with WandaVision now, something like that, I'd rather just watch it all and just get it the way. But if, you, if I'm in, enjoying it, then I want to savor it. Yeah. I feel like if WandaVision was a bit more what we hoped it was going to be, I would have enjoyed the conversation between each episode. So WandaVision, I don't think, is the greatest um, example for it. But The Mandalorian, I enjoyed that. We watched the episode, we would have a conversation, and then next Saturday when I'm having my breakfast and watching the next episode, and then we have another conversation. I enjoyed that. But I was quite surprised to see. So the poll ended, it was... 58% 58% would rather binge a series than savour it. I think I... there's an element of, um, sorry to interrupt you, an element of now, um, because social media is so rife, um, there's a spoiler element, isn't there? And I think there's a fear that if you don't watch something as quickly as possible, you'll get it will get ruined. So it's the Royal Rumble on Sunday. 
used to be a massive thing like where we'd go out on the piss and we'd watch the Royal Rumble and have a great time. Obviously, that can't happen now. And it's like, if I don't watch it, I'll, it'll get spoiled for me. So it's kind of like, even though it's till four in the morning, five in the morning on a Sunday when I've got work the next day, I'll have to watch it. And it's kind of that same mentality. I don't want it spoiling for me because it's, it used to mean so much. So I'm wondering if that's played a factor. Yeah, mm, I think you're probably right. I think, I think that the, the middle ground is what they're doing now with releasing two or three episodes of series. And there's been like like certain certain things which again have gone completely away. All um, or nothing, did it? Didn't it? The Spurs. Yeah, the that's Spurs that's one yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. All all or nothing. That you had two two episodes a week, and the um, the Jordan one as well. Last dance. Yeah, yeah, the last dance. There was two or three a week, and that was much better because then you had the option. You could either you could save it for have one per per day if you want, or just watch them back to back. I think that doing it kind of halfway house like that's much better. I think that's probably the way to go, really. It's the dream, isn't it? In further DC news, and now this is my dream, there are early reports that Batman, the animated series, are, is returning. So they're actually going to do a sequel to the original 1990 animated series. Mm. I don't know if it's going to follow on from like the Batman and, sorry, the Superman and Justice League animated series, but just going back into that. Bruce, Tim, Paul Dini world. I'm so excited. I feel like that was the first series where cartoons weren't just for kids anymore. Like the, it, it appealed to a, a much wider demographic. When I think of like a uh, a um, a show based on a comic book world, all I can think of is the X Men animated series from when I was younger. That was like the first one I really remember. And then I just had a fascination with Gambit. He was like my favourite, of like completely my favourite character <laughs> of all time. And the one character that's never been brought to screen since. <laughs> <laughs> but is it is it carrying on from that? Because didn't Batman Beyond series or mini film or whatever it was carry on from the original animated series? Yeah, Batman Beyond is set like 60 odd years after. Oh, so they could put it in between? Yeah, so they could okay. still fill it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in Marvel news this time, Charlie Cox is reportedly filming scenes for Spider-Man 3. <sighs> so the Netflix universe is bleeding into the cinematic universe. That's good to see. And to be honest, of all the possible crossovers, this one really excites me. So like, I proper geeked out because I tweeted Vincent D'Onofrio, <laughs> asking like, if you could take your character into another franchise, where would you want to go? And he re- actually re- replied saying Spider-Man would be the one, but obviously because it's Sony, it'll never happen. Mm-hmm. But now we might actually see that. We might actually see the Kingpin. And as you said before, Matt, about him being your favourite villain, could you just imagine the absolute simmering rage of Vincent D'Onofrio against the high-energy kid that is uh, Spider-Man? I just that would be so exciting I to think, see. I think the scenes like would be absolutely what you want because he'd throw him around like an absolute rag doll and mm. he'd, he'd just be a visual spectacle and I think it would work so well there's so much they can do with it as well so yeah it, it, I, hopefully the powers that be will see that this is this is something worth exploring and do something along those lines it'd be incredible like the game yeah just mate, just put the game yeah. in film form that's what we want to say and we want to get Miles in there as soon as possible as well and the other thing happening in the MCU world, they are desperate to get Nicolas Cage back as Ghost Rider. 
<laughs> we did mention this a few months back because it was rumoured that they wanted him for Doctor Strange and the Multiversal Mayhem. I don't know if they'll be looking at giving him his own film or if he'll be part of passing the Ghost Rider mantle on, but it'll just be nice to see him in there and hopefully doing a good version of Ghost Rider for a change. But them, them two films are no canon. If this happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the, the use of the word desperate for Nicolas Cage to appear in is something in 2021 that um, <laughs> something surprises me. Well, they obviously haven't seen Jiu-Jitsu, have they? <laughs> <laughs> Bond has finally announced its release date. It is going to be released in October this year. And news has recently broken that they are filming new scenes for <laughs> advertisements. Like, this film should have been out some point last year, like probably about six, seven months ago. And it was pulled at the last minute because they weren't prepared to risk not making a billion dollars. But they are prepared to risk bringing people back into work just to film some unnecessary scenes for a sponsorship deal. It's, I, I think this absolutely stinks. I've got to be honest. It's going to be. So I read, I read the article and just giggled to myself because it's now gone. I mean, it should have been out last March. Then it was moved to October. Then it was moved to this April. And now it's been moved to October again. And the whole point is, I mean, it's a Sony film. And it's going to be with Sony Xperia phones. That's what that's what it is, because mm. they don't want the technology being out of date in a in a, in a Bond spy film. So he's going to have the the, the brand new latest Xperia One Three, I presume, at, at that point. So yeah. it's, it's it, it it probably won't even be his hand. It'll just be <laughs> they'll just film <laughs> someone's hand just using that phone. But it, it's just get it fucking out. But the, yeah, it's it's pissing me off now. <laughs> and I'll, <laughs> I think if if they'd have released the film when it was intended to last October, they would have had quite a lot of goodwill. Obviously, things were struggling. People wanted something to, to look forward to and go to the cinema. Obviously, as soon as that was pulled, all of the cinemas just closed their doors. And now they're doing this. They're, they're taking the piece. I feel like they've just eroded all of the goodwill that was there for them. It'll still make money because people are obsessed with Bond for some reason. But I do feel that the more casual viewer, someone like me, I'm not giving them any of my time or, or energy anymore. Fuck them. <laughs> I mean, it's what like we said before. It was perfectly fine in the cinema. It, they did it really well. There was no issue. And like you just said, they caused the, the shutdown of all cinemas because mm. it, it wasn't a directive at that point. It was they chose to do that themselves because of having no big films to put put on because they pulled the Bond movie and. You think, well, look what you've been responsible for, and just take one on the chin. You're not, you don't need, you don't need the money, really. Everyone accepts that you're going to make a loss, and it's going to be rebooted again in two years anyway. So you you got a better chance of making shitloads when you put. I mean, it's too late for Idris Elba now, but whoever you put in there, you're rebooting it again. Make money then. Just take it on the chin and just put it out. Yeah, do something for the community a little bit. I think. But yeah, fuck him. Uh, Christopher Nolan is reportedly leaving Warner Brothers at the end of his contract. I presume this is in reaction to all of the films being put on same-day release on HBO Max. Yeah. Because I know he was one of the names who reportedly was not impressed with that decision. 
personally, I think that most studios are probably going to end up going that way. And no matter what he does, I think he's going to have to uh, bite the bullet and just accept that that's going to be the future. And you might not like it, but that's how it's going to be. He's certainly not going to go indie art house, is he? Without like grand (laughs) effects and stuff. So it's a case of, unfortunately, um, grit your teeth and bear it. Yeah. And finally, the trailer for Godzilla vs. Kong has dropped. Oh, yes. The trailer looks batshit crazy, I've got to be honest. Now, I've not seen... The only Kong I've seen has been like the Peter Jackson film in the early aughts. And I don't think I've seen any Godzilla since, you know, watching the kaiju Japanese Gojira films. Like, it's just one that's never really grabbed me, so... I need you both. I need you to sell me on this film. What do I need to see, and why do I need to see it? Well, this is the um, the fourth film of this universe, the MonsterVerse, I suppose, with with the Godzilla in two thousand fourteen, Skull Island, Kong Skull Island in twenty seventeen, and then Godzilla King of Monsters in twenty nineteen. Um, I haven't seen King of the Monsters, I'll, I will admit, but um, Godzilla and Kong Skull Island were. Put it this way, um, if you enjoyed Peter Jackson's Godzilla for its like artistic um, interpretation and its its heart and soul, you'll fucking hate these films. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically like real steel or Pacific Rim with monsters uh, opposed to mechanics. It's um, <laughs> they're they're they're, ste- they're, ste- they're you know they're, they're steroid. It's Rampage the game actually done properly. Um, Oh no! In, come on, in this monster form, the Rampage movie is great. Yeah, I love that film. But yeah, it's. I was going to say it's. It's Godzilla given the Transformers effect, and you will mm. absolutely despise it. But at the same time, it's got Brian Cranston in, so you can't not you can't mm. hate it. Okay, it knows exactly what it is, though. It yeah. doesn't. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. So, for example. Um, in the in Kong Skull Island, there's no mist, and I said this at the time when I saw the trailer. There's no mystery around it. There's no building up to the grand reveal. Like you, you see Kong in the trailer, like it's clear as day after about five seconds. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't try to be a like a suspenseful mystery. It's a, it's a it's a all out action steroid film, um, and it's, that's absolutely fine. Nothing wrong with it. Okay, it, you've you've sold it. Actually, it's it's very much like it's in the same kind of spirit as the Jumanji films. Hmm. It's a very very throwaway silliness. I mean, without without the jokes, but there's not just Kong on Skull Island. There's obviously bigger. It's like a creature, like a stop motion film from the 30s, 40s, but with proper CG effects. That's effectively what it is. They've brought it up to date and. And now it's out, and it's mad. I mean, um, in terms of its, um, in terms of its like gross, it's doubled, tripled its budget on nearly everyone. Um, critically, it's they're pretty well received, apart from King of the Monsters, which which took a bit of a hit, like by the critics. So they're not actually bad films either in the eyes of the critics. So it's definitely worth a watch ahead of time. And the the worst thing that you'll get out of this is that it's a it's like a Saturday night popcorn film that you have a laugh about and then don't think about it again. It's the absolute worst okay. it will be. Well, that, that sounds perfectly acceptable to me. Maybe once I've got through some of the uh, 
my, my Oscars list <laughs> started uh, drawing up. You'll, you'll be you'll, you'll be you'll be doubling uh, you'll be doubling up for when this receives the gongs. Okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, have we had listener questions? We in? certainly bloody have, mate. Um, so let's go from the Twitter first um, because we've had some non-Twitter correspondence, which is incredible. Get them in. Wow. Get them in. Um, what, right, first who, who of all, is this possible? I know. <laughs> uh, Richard Hobbs wants to know, what was the last film or TV show that made you cry or get emotional? Uh, Stu. Um, I'm going to mention it later. So I'll, I'll just say it now. Um, Band of Brothers. Mm. 20, 20 years late, but yeah. <laughs> Band of Brothers, the, um, the concentration camp scene. Yeah, well, episode apt. just very apt as just well right now. Um, Andy, what about yourself? Um, I watched a short animated film on Netflix. Uh, I, th- I think it was just before Christmas called If Anything Happens, I Love You, and it's about living following the death of a child in a school shooting. Oh, it's just beautifully observed uh, it's it's really really well done silent animated short 12 mm-hmm. minutes long but it, it really hit the mark it was fantastic excellent excellent um todd wants to know what is a movie or tv show you put on when you're just not sure what to watch for us it's community and the it crowd i mean it's it's no secret to anybody that knows me at all mine's peep show um what about <laughs> you guys what, what's your Go to when you've just you've got nothing to watch, but you need you need to watch something. I, I recycle through Scrubs, Community, It's Always Sunny, mm-hmm. so I'll watch those three and like start to finish, and then move on to the next. Uh, curb for me, I think, just because I'm, I'm just what it's the ones that I'm watching through like. Savoring, almost like we were saying earlier, but binging things like that, where you could quite easily sit there for seven hours and watch it all, um, watch two series worth. But no, it, it's one or two episodes of that, or or safe part probably. Mm, fair enough, mm. fair enough. Um, David Evans wants to know what standalone film deserves a sequel or prequel to expand the story, uh, and what films were ruined once they were given a sequel, prequel? Let's leave Star Wars out of this. <laughs> um, I was talking to someone on Twitter earlier who mentioned Edgar Wright, and I know it probably won't happen, and especially not because it's Kevin Spacey, but I would love to have a prequel to Baby Driver to mm. find out Baby's story on how he ended up in the employ of Kevin Spacey's character, and that would be interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Stu, is there anything that you can think of that was actually ruined once it was given a sequel or a prequel? It's it's been ruined, it's legacy tarnished. Independence Day was Independence Day, good call. Straight away. Absolute uh, absolute shit. I mean there's a reason there's a, there's a reason why Sir Will turned it down. I mean you, you know why? I mean but on the other side, in a similar kind of vein, District Nine, why has that not had a sequel ever? True. Good point, yeah. Well, what about sorry, Matt? Sorry to interrupt. Um, the Wolverine, not sorry, not the Wolverine. Um, Wolverine, X Men Origins, Wolverine, the Mm. first one of that trilogy, that prequel, that was dog shit. It was terrible, to be fair. 
sorry. Anyway, I interrupted you. Apologies. No, not at all. I just think like I I liked it, but I know it was panned quite a bit. Anything post Predator Two, anything that the Predator <laughs> the Predators appeared in has been pretty much panned one way or the other. And uh, so from a from a legacy point of view, I think that 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 doesn't help it really. Um, one of our new followers and hopefully listeners, Gaz Roberts, um, would like to know more about Masters of the Universe. Putting that out there. Golf. <laughs> <laughs> and this 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 has got to be one of my favourite questions now from a new listener uh, that we've poached from Wolves Fancast because I'd swooped in on their tweet and asked him to ask it on this. Uh, so Vinny <laughs> WWFC wants to know this is, this is absolutely good. This is why we do this podcast for questions like this. If Buzz Lightyear thought thought he wasn't a toy, then why did he never speak when humans were around? That's a good question, isn't it? Um, I have no answer because, like, it doesn't make any sense. He absolutely should, and they all should. All of the Buzz Lightyears. Exactly. And they should have had a breakdown when they met their doppelganger, when they were all in the Toy Story in, in um, number two. Maybe. Maybe holes. this is why they're making a Disney Plus series. To answer this specific question. <laughs> yeah, on the, the actual real Buzz Lightyear. What if this new is it a series or is it a standalone film for Disney Plus? I can't remember. Can't remember. The one it's got Chris is it Chris Evans' voice in it? Martin? Chris Evans yeah. is going to be yeah. What if the whole point of this this <laughs> series film is the fact that it's like a Land of the Giants kind of soft reboot, <laughs> and he lands on a, on a planet with massive people, and so he. he he automatically goes stiff and can't speak, and that's why the toys don't do it either. Tenuous at best, uh, Stu, but I like your, um, <laughs> I like your thinking there. I I'll like take it. that one, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we've got a couple of other ones uh, to go through. So um, first of all, a daft question, Series 2 uh, has started now, our friends over there, so listen to them if you haven't already. They mentioned um, on the back of our question about Demolition Man and, and, and basically the three seashells, how would you use them? So, for anyone that hasn't seen it, in in Demolition Man, Sylvester Stallone comes across this newfangled technology of the toilet, where there essentially are three seashells on the side, and he doesn't know how to use them. And it was a mystery post the film, up until 2006, where it was explained what to actually do. But what would you do if you only had three seashells to uh, do your business? I mean, I think, let's just put it out there, it wouldn't be the first time I've come across some seashells. <laughs> That's a different story altogether. <laughs> um, you just had to, you got to go with the flower spurs, wouldn't you? But I can't, it's been so long since I saw it, I can't remember exactly how they're positioned. But if if there's three of them, you'd think it'd be some kind of like, like a spread eagle runway, just to, like, the first one gets the, the, the big hit, <laughs> and then the second one kind of, not so much, and then the third one's kind of like, any excess on the cheeks, and then you're okay. okay but Heather, if they're self-cleaning or not, that's a different thing altogether. But you'd, you'd probably need to like run them under the tap afterwards, I'd imagine, rather than just having some shitty sea shells <laughs> hanging around. But I think you'd have to use like the cup side to like scrape any excess detritus, <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe use the soft side just to like. Clean it all up. I'm guessing. And the, the, well, the big. So the big question: Are you sitting or standing while you're doing it? 
Uh, to answer that question, uh, tweet WWFC Fancast. <laughs> the answer. They want um, to know the answer. Yeah, they do to know the answer. Well, Sylvester Stallone in a 2006 interview was told by a writer, this is verbatim quote, you hold two seashells like chopsticks, pull gently and scrape what's left with the third. <laughs> so so take that take that as you will. See, I always I always assumed that the whole like the seashell thing was actually like they make you think for a joke that like you use a seashell, but under it it's just very miniature toilet rolls and soap. Just under the seashells. <laughs> yeah. Like they're just upside down containers, like soap containers, like soap dishes. But there we go. <laughs> um, uh, another question um on the email. So we, we do like a question via email, um, from um our very new friend, uh, Tara Court. She wants to know, uh, if you had to be a supernatural creature, what would you be and why? She'd be a zombie because essentially it's the lazy person's choice. You don't have to make an effort with your clothes and you can just slow mooch <laughs> to the next brain to eat. What's not to love? But if you could be a supernatural character, what would it be? Hmm. I think I'd go for a vampire. Oh. Like They stay young and beautiful forever. So, yeah. That'd be more fun, surely. And just think of all the films you could watch because you would be alive forever. It'd be great. True. Yeah, that's that's too easy. You've stolen it all, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised, you that you haven't said The Invisible Man, knowing you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it doesn't need to be said, does it, really? I mean, it's, <laughs> is, that supernatural? is that supernatural or is it science-y? Hmm. For, for argument's sake, then, yeah, okay. In the invisible man, because you could do what you want, couldn't you? So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll, get, we'll go with that. See, I want to go down like the vampire route, not because of like staying young and sexy, but I like I go to all those kind of nightclubs that you see that vampires go to anyway. So it just means I wouldn't have to change like my musical habits. I just like it might just get a little sexier. Maybe I don't know. The, the best nightclub in the whole world in Blade. Yeah, exactly. It's mm. always the same, isn't it? Like, there's never a there's never a film where they go to like they go to a degenerate like uh, party or whatever, and it's never not rock music and goths. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the same in Crow City of Angels, where like Iggy pops like in the club, and it's it's like just some mad sex orgy to like Ramstein or something like that. It's always the same. <laughs> it's never like they go to like. A Tory Eaton party where it's like classical music or anything like that. It's always like just heavy metal and industrial, industrial music. I mean, can you imagine if you're watching Twilight and then they're going to? I've never seen these films, obviously, because I'm not silly. But if you're watching Twilight and then they enter into a room and you got "Don't Stop, Never Give Up" by S Club Seven in the background, <laughs> it changes the tone of the film slightly. I suppose it would. I suppose mm. it would. And one final question uh, now. Basically, Katie Clark wants to know, who would you like to play you in the film of your life? So for me, um, it would have to be one of two slightly portly gentlemen with beards. It would either be um, Jack Black or Zach Galifianakis as Alan in The Hangover Part 2. Okay. Yeah, I, I think like Jack Black would be a good call, but like I've always been a big fan of Zach Braff. Like he's just one of my favorites. There's something about him and his work that I've just always identified with the characters he's played. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, it would probably be Zach Braff. Stu, what about yourself? Vin Diesel. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, 
when I did them face up things, Vin Diesel and um, the Stath looked exactly like me. So and that's the obvious choice. But if I was going back to <laughs> that's the obvious <laughs> choice. When if I was going back to my my younger days and when I did actually have a, a look like in Enrique Iglesias. So <laughs> of course. When, and that's that'd be my choice, but then he'd have to shave his head, and that'd be a shame for everyone. So, if you're being, if you're being sensible, yeah, it'd be the state. Not it's interesting uh, you say that, Stu, because Matt, did you know that Stuart Kimberly Hall <laughs> once told a girl, in all seriousness, that he looks like Henry <laughs> K. Iglesias? Oh, is this a legitimate? This girl, oh, this is a legitimate story. He said this with no sense of irony. She laughed so hard <laughs> that she fell over a wall and that she didn't come to school for the next fortnight. The next time they saw her, she had a bout of Bell's palsy because she'd been laughing so hard. <laughs> she, oh she didn't have God. Bell's palsy. He's, he's, uh, he's embellished his story again. <laughs> she did, it's true that she didn't come to school for two weeks. That, that was true. She didn't have Bell's palsy. <laughs> but yeah, I, I can't remember who that even was. You but said yeah, that... you you made a girl basically do a good old JR Jim Ross. What is it? That's incredible. Yeah. Isn't it? Uh, Stu, what 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 else can you do with your good your dashing good looks, Stu? I'm I'm afraid of being on this call much with you much longer. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm trying to think what it, what kind of hair I had at the time. So I mean, it it would have been short before it was dyed blonde again for the second time, probably. Um. But it was when Hero came out, and I can't remember why. I think we. Were... <laughs> I'm looking at a picture of Henry Kane glasses now. <laughs> you, you know, you know what? The, you know what the next poll's going to be, right? What's the name of? Right, we're going to put two pictures. We're going to put three pictures at one of Stu, one of Henry Kane glasses, and then who's the character in the League of Gentlemen that is like the, the German one that leads the, <laughs> the band? Um, yeah, lip. Early. I'm missing which ones people think she looks more like. <laughs> I mean, to, be, to get this fair, we are, I've got to have to find a picture from me from about 16, 17. So when this was taken, this this was first mentioned because I did. I, it was when I was trying. I, I wondered if I could sing as well, so I did kind of record myself on dictaphone singing "Hero" to myself. Oh my god, I'd love to hear that. Oh, good God. And you you wonder why <clears throat> they lose my virginity till 17. <laughs> but oh, we can't, we, we're, we're on this, this tact. I am, um, the Marshmallow Gate rumbles on and I have actually had Marshmallow before, but it was in a chocolate fencing and I didn't know what it was. Okay. It was already on a, it was already on a skewer. So when you had that picture, the, um, you showed us a picture of what marshmallows actually looked like. I've never had them, but I've had them on a stick with chocolate over the top. So it's bro, I was I was fooled. I didn't know what they were. You were hornswoggled into it. Yeah. Well, that's it for the questions this week. Really appreciate your input, guys. There's loads of really good questions. Keep them coming. Um get them on the email as well. But tell your friends if they have a question that they want answering or they want something um, you know, to get involved with the show. Let them know, get them listening in, and we'll um, we'll answer the questions and try and have a bit of fun with um, with anything you want to know. Brilliant, thank you very much, Matt. So, first question this week: What have you been watching recently, Stu? Yeah, well, I mentioned it briefly. Just that I'd watched this. Um, I watched. I'd caught up with Band of Brothers, and obviously, everyone loves that. I mean, rightly so, incredible series. 
Um, but yeah, the other one, Insert Coin. It's a documentary about Midway. Um, and it's basically about, it's an hour and 40 minutes, I think, something like that. And like all game documentaries, you've got people who were involved in the company's foundation, the formation and stuff like that. But it's from, I mean, I never really played Midway games, thinking about like, things like Cruising USA on the N64 and stuff like that. And other than the violent ones, and it's, it goes into where they got um, the film license came out and how they got the license for Terminator 2 and the um, their best-selling game of all time in the it's basically a coin-op era, which we never really had arcades of that kind here, did we? So it's kind of like, he's looking into a different world. So, and they've even got footage of him with um, Linda Hamilton's sister doing motion capture for it. And Robert Patrick obviously was fully involved. He, he did his, all his own motion capture and his own acting for free, just because he wanted to yeah. he, he wanted to make the game. Um, but yeah, that, that was really fascinating. And, but the other one, which came out this week, I think it was this week, um, over in England, it's gonna be it's gonna be shown in America as well on HBO Max, like everything else is. And that's it's a sin on Channel Four. And have you watched it yet? Not yet. No. I haven't seen it, but I know that um, Channel Four are pushing it really hard at the minute. Every t- every time, like I'm watching the channel, it's uh, it's advertised. Yeah, cause, I mean it's a five part series by the guy who, who came up with Queerest Folk um, about five five main characters, five main gay men in the 80s at the height of the um, the AIDS the pandemic and stuff like that and it's obviously a world that we were all way too young to realise what was going on and even knowing what happened, watching it back like this and it's all it's kind of semi-autobiographical as well, because Russell T. Davies said it's about his his friend and it's her stories. And she, and that woman is actually in it as well. She's she she is an actor and she's made a brief cameo. Um but again it's like how they would you can kind of see how gay people have been treated so horrifically since then about all the propaganda about AIDS being oh it's a gay disease and dirty and all that stuff. It's properly powerful and 40, 50 minutes. And obviously if you, if you don't want to watch guys together, then fine. Obviously don't watch it because there is a lot of that going on, (laughs) but it is channel four and it's not, there's nothing explicit, but it's just really, really powerful and really, really superb. Brilliant. Uh, Where can I find the Midway documentaries that available to stream as well? It's available through means. It's not on the uh, usual platforms. But I think it's on Amazon to on Prime to buy. Okay, so either on Amazon to buy, or you need to hang around with some uh, <clears throat> pirates. Yeah, <laughs> Matt, what have you been watching? Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, powered through Mandalorian series one, uh, sensational so far. Really enjoyed it. I'm on series two now. Just finished the episode with uh, the spiders, basically all the spider like <laughs> creatures. Um, the group chat was alive, though, with one overwhelming quit- uh, criticism that I had um, about The Mandalorian, if you remember, um, which was related to um, <laughs> the fact that Baby Yoda cries like a baby, like an actual physical human baby. 
which um, is just absolutely bizarre to me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Nothing else about giant spiders, aliens with eggs in tubs, and that's all fine. But that's like that's all within the realms of possibility. But the fact that Yoda (laughs) cries like an actual human child really annoys me. Um, What what I would say though, and I've heard some interest. So I haven't seen One Division, but what I understand is that. Episodically, it's very much the same. Many stories condensed into into half an hour ish episodes that don't necessarily like are wildly different from each other, and it's very it's held together by a very loose plot to keep it all bumbling along. But it's okay for the Mandalorian, but it's not okay for One Division. Is that is is that right, Andy? Because I know you've seen a few episodes. Um, sort of. I would say the quality of the Mandalorian's episodes is considerably higher mm. than the first two that we've seen of one division the third one i think is a bit different um they seem to be the first two were the first one was like i love lucy the second one was like um bewitched and the third one was set like a 70s sitcom i can't remember mm. which one it's like loosely based on so they have their own feel to them my issue with the first two especially was that they didn't have any subtext. It was just a sort of straight comedy that wasn't particularly funny, that went nowhere, didn't give you any indication on what was actually going on. It just felt like it was treading water. I think if it was um, if it was in a film, that scene would be five minutes. Mm. Like Fair they enough. wouldn't have gone, they wouldn't have stretched it out. But the third episode, there is a hell of a lot more subtext to it. And it all intimates to this much bigger plot that is going on at the moment. Okay. So I do think the third episode shows a lot of promise. Okay, fair enough. The first two were just pulling teeth, though. I'm, yeah. um, go on, sorry, Stu. And the problem with it is it's pointless. So they have got the same kind of, the same kind of, kind of, how you say, like build, build of show where you have got a small thread throughout it. And the, um, the small thread is the, the most exciting part about One Division, but it's only five minutes of three, five minutes out of hour and a half so far. The actual stuff in what whatever is going on in in the VR or in the alternative re- reality or whatever it is, it's just like, like Andy said, it's a comedy that's not funny because it doesn't matter and none of it matters. And that that was, I mean, watching waiting for him to watch it and get enraged is like the highlight of the week. <laughs> but but it's they've got the same kind of build of show, but they're nowhere near the same. Okay, a quick um, a quick heads up as well for a game I'm playing at the moment. So on on our other podcast, Wolves Fancast, um, we, I've recently released the um, episode about mental health, and I'm playing a game at the moment called Hell Hellblade uh, Sen- Senua's Sacrifice. Um, which is about a um, like Nordic uh, warrior, f- uh, female warrior who suffers from psychosis. Um, so it's a. I said to Stu, and Stu had already played it. Um, who I know is very much an audiophile. I said audiophile, um, <laughs> and it, honestly, it's got to be one of the most impressive audio feats in a game I've ever played like I've got a really I've got a pretty you know pretty good surround sound in my in my in my living room where I play and the noise coming around that was incredible I put my headphones in and, and played it and it says to, to you know to play with headphones in to get the, the best out of the sound of it 
and 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 again, one thing that I'm seeing more and more of now, which is excellent, it, it says as you load up the game for the you know to, to start. We've um, we've spoken to mental health charities and people who are suffering from psychosis to make sure this is an accurate representation and not to demean like the condition. Um, and I just think it's it's been excellent so far. It, it's paced really nicely, um, and it's it's very very um, absorbing. It's really really um, like overwhelming at times when all these voices are going on and you and the lighting is like really dark and you're bumbling around. It's just an excellent game. It's on Game Pass as well for anyone that's got a Game Pass, so it's not going to cost you a penny to play. Yeah, it's on Game Pass on Xbox, but it is on PS4 and PS5 for about 15, 25, 15 to 25 quid, depending on if you get it in a sale or not, which I got it in a sale about three, four years ago. And yeah, I'm going to play it again on Xbox just for just to hear it with Dolby headphone because I played it with, with normal surround sound headphones when I played it the first time around on PS4, but... That's got to be said. The Dolby headphone feature on Xbox, I presume it's on Xbox One as well, but on Series S especially, it's incredible. <clears throat> so for myself, I've been watching a few horrors or so in the last few uh, weeks. I watched a film called Spree, which is available on Netflix. It's starring Joe Keery, who plays uh, Steve in Stranger Things. Oh, nice. He he plays basically an Uber driver. Um, he's obsessed with social media and gaining followers, and he thinks the best way to gain followers is to go on a murder spree, hence the title, Spree. Um, it's it's like funny, and then it gets to the point where you think, actually, this isn't funny, this is just disturbing. It's, it's not like the best rated film you'll see, but I thought it had a really interesting message about don't put everything in social media. It's mm. not the be-all and end-all, which also ties in with your... Uh, mental health podcast last time with it being quite heavy on the old social media. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. I also watched Freaky, which is the Blumhouse film. So it's from the guys who did Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to You. It's the film where Vince Vaughn is a serial killer and he trades places with a teenage girl that he's trying to murder. So it's Freaky, as in Freaky Friday. Um, I know I've stated on here I'm not a big Vince Vaughn fan, but actually, he was quite funny in this, I've got to say. I thought he he did very well pretending to be a serial killer who was also a 16, 17-year-old girl. I thought he did a decent job. It was funny enough, but I wouldn't say it was scary enough. I prefer Happy Death Day, the first one, because I think that got the balance just right for, for my tastes. I watched a film on our favourite Shudder called uh, Yummy, and it is set in a plastic surgery hospital, effectively. Um, it's a Flemish-Dutch film, so parts of it are in Flemish-Dutch, parts of it are in English. Um, some of the characters sound like Borat, which is a little bit weird. <laughs> and basically, whilst this woman is going to have a breast reduction, um, somehow a zombie gets loose in the hospital and all shit breaks loose. It's, it's really funny in parts. It's not massively scary. There's some really gory bits. But there's one bit where there's this gynecologist and he turns into a zombie whilst he's checking a woman. <laughs> and it just gives a whole new meaning to eating out. Um, <laughs> and the other film I wanted to mention is one called Promising Young Woman. Uh, this is due to be released on... I think it's due to be released in the cinemas on the 14th of February, but obviously things may change. It is available uh, on VOD. 
Um, there are high hopes for this promising young woman. It is been touted for several Oscars for best female performance, director, uh, film, screenplay. Like it's really well done. The basic premise of a story, which I don't want to give too much away. Um, Carrie Mulligan plays a character whose friend was raped when they were at college. Um, and this rape basically destroys her friend. So Carrie Mulligan goes on a revenge mission. And the whole film is about her getting revenge for her friend. She was a promising young woman in medical school and gave up her life to look after a friend. It subverts the genre of revenge films. And it's like really thickly, darkly comic in parts as well. So it also subverts like the romantic comedy genre. It's art. It's excellent. It's if this isn't in my films of twenty twenty one, then I think we're in for a very good year. I loved it. So the first, or oh, sorry, the next question this week is yours, Stu. Yeah, so it's a, so kind of lighten the mood a bit, especially after that. Um, I don't know what's. Your, your favourite film that features a chicken? Matthew. <laughs> Thanks, Stu. Uh, <laughs> it's, well, there's, there's only one film, so I'm sorry if it stops, uh, it ruins it for you guys, that it's synonymous, so I'm glad you've made me go first here. It's got to be Rocky Two. Chase that chicken. Basically, as part of his rematch with um, Apollo Creed, he's got to basically get into shape, and Mickey has him chasing a chicken. <laughs> Um, and um, it's it's just iconic really it's the first thing that came to mind straight away I did have a backup I won't mention the backup in case because you guys have got it because if you haven't got this as the backup or your one you're getting very specific (laughs) so no it had to be um, Rocket 2 is the first thing that come to mind Um, I love that those series of films even the fifth one which is a bit pants is still decent uh, and the the original five are on Amazon Prime now for anybody that has it. So if you haven't seen it before, if it's ever just escaped you, one of those franchises has just escaped you, um, get on it. You'll enjoy it. Just as a side question, which is your favourite Rocky? Three. Three's mine as well. Um, I think. I think. Yeah. So you know how we had this debate about what's a film and what's a movie. Mm. Rocky Two is the best film in the series. Rocky 3 is the best movie. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Uh, my answer to the original question, sorry for the tangent, I had one film that I was just dead set on until about 20 minutes before this podcast, <laughs> and it's just completely changed my answer. Or has it? Yeah, yeah, it has. Okay, my film is The Muppets Christmas Carol. <laughs> I fucking love that film. It is incredible. Like, I could have easily said The Muppets, the Jason Segel film from the early 2010s. Like, I love The Muppets. They're just brilliant. But The Muppets Christmas Carol is one of those films that even though it's a Christmas film, I could happily sit down and watch it any time in the year. Mm. I just think it's fantastic. So that that was my choice for that question. <laughs> I have got... I say I've got three. I've got two other mentions, which I will do after Stu. The, the third one was going to be Rocky, obviously. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I thought the the obvious one would have been Hot Shots Part Two, which was the um, just because it's just is it even on the cover of the DVD, the box as well? I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, shooting a chicken instead of an arrow. I mean, what else you need? Um, yeah, mine was Hi Hi from Moana. The um 
the special chicken yeah. that kind of doesn't know what it's what it's doing. <laughs> it eats rocks, and yeah. that's kind of where I came from. So I thought there can't be many films with chickens in, and then I looked, and there's actually a shitload. I mean, it's, you even got <laughs> Gyro from the Ducktales, the inventor. Of course, yeah, chicken. Yeah. So, what were your honourable mentions? Yeah. Uh, my honourable mentions were going to be Hot Shots Part Deux, Rocky and Moana. Moana was the one which was going to be the film until I realised that the chicken's obviously in uh, The Muppets. See, my uh, my honourable mention was The Hangover. Um, because when they wake up in the hotel room, there's, there's chickens around and it was revealed like in, a, in the DVD afterwards, the gang bought a chicken to feed the tiger, basically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was... Um, when when I first heard this was going to be the question, I was like, "Fucking hell, am I going to get a? Am I going to get something funny out of this?" But then, like, <laughs> actually, there's there's more there's more than you think that I've got chickens in. I was almost I was very close to saying uh, Nacho Libre, um, but then I thought <laughs> like, the use of chickens is very very vague, so uh, didn't make the cut. You, you even got Chicken Run if you wanted uh, to be yeah. literal. I've never seen it. What? Nah. It's great. It's well. It's literally the great escape, but Wallace and Gromit sized. Is it done by um, Ardman yeah, Studios? Yeah, yeah it's an Ardman, oh, okay. It's a proper Ardman film. I do like Ardman stuff. To be fair, so I was a bit reticent to watch it, but yeah, I'll I'll put that on the list. Chicken Run, cool. So uh, my question then: We had a conversation the other day about Dead Man's Shoes and. Then on the weekend, I watched Little Shop of Horrors, which I think was the first musical I'd ever seen. And that's what got me into that whole genre. So what I wanted to know, what is the film that you could, you wish that you could watch again for the first time? Stu? I mean, uh, there's two kind of trains of thought from this because I've got two where it's just because I love them so much and it, Remembering how I felt at the time of watching them, just the kind of the absolute awe, and that's Jurassic Park and Lord of the Rings. Just be just for that, but my actual answer because it's never the same once you've watched it is The Usual Suspects. Just okay, just just for that, and you there's obviously Sixth Sense and all that, that kind of you don't want to once you know you know, and you can mm. never get that back, and. The Lucky Almost Seven a, effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, seven, yeah. <laughs> and I've probably only seen The Usual Suspects about five times in my entire life, even though I bought it on one of the, the early DVD boys that I went straight away as soon as it came out. Not, yeah, I love this film. And then you watch it and you think, well, you kind of know the end, so it's not the same. <laughs> and we, we, all know, we all know how shit I am with knowing the end of things anyway. So even giving it a bit of time, it's never going to be the same again. So, from that for that reason, that's what my answer would be. Films like that. Mm. L- legitimately, I figured that film out within about ten minutes. Of course, you did. I hated it. I, I don't like Brian Singer as a director, to be perfectly honest. But I think my problem was is I had seen Primal Fear with Ed Norton and the guy from Pretty Woman, Richard Gere, and in that, it has a very similar twist to the effect that it's a disabled person who has this alternate pers- personality. And I text my mate within 10 minutes. I'm like, he's the bad guy, isn't he? <laughs> and it just, it just ruined the film the whole way through. So, but yeah, I'll get you because there is that, 
putting the toothpaste back in the uh, tube sort of feel to those kind of films that you're never going to get the same experience again once you know the twist. Yeah, like Last and Christmas. And that's all the film has got, like Last Christmas, yeah. If that's all the film has got going for it, then is it really that good a film in the first place, I suppose? Matt? What so are you thinking? I've got two similar trains of thought, really, to Stew. Um, one film that blew me away in the cinema, not because of visual special effects or anything like that, but not knowing how to feel afterwards. And I'd mm. like to be able to experience that again out of pure morbid curiosity. And that will be Four Lions. Great <laughs> um, film. Honestly, that film had me pulling to and fro laughter shock sadness grief it had everything that film it's massively underrated as a as an emotional piece it's just a black comedy to some but it's 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 got it's it's got chops in it it's got heart and it's got it's got soul that film has um and i remember seeing it with tom um tom kearney who, who regularly interacts with the show um and I just sat stunned in the cinema after watching it. I didn't know how to feel for ages. Like I was just like, should I be laughing? Should I be really sad? Like I'd 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 I'd, I'd like to get that feeling back just to know how I felt again because it was it was just it was incredible when I saw it. Um, and and the the other one it would just be to to get a memory back more than a twist. So. Me and my mum used to go through this habit of seeing like films. We'd see the Saw films every year, oddly. <laughs> but we also saw Insidious at the cinema. And my mum, it doesn't take a lot to scare her at all. And she was like shouting and, and like it making a right racket in the cinema. But it just bring <laughs> it just brings back like really fond memories. Like it was it was really fun at the same time. And I'd like to, I'd like to have that back and 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 so see that film again because now I know it's coming in Insidious. It's nowhere near as scary as the first time I saw it. It's, it's enjoyable, but I'd like to be scared by that film and have that that memory back again. Mm, that's good. Similar to yourselves, so I've sort of like I had a few different trains of thought on how to approach the question. So the film that stunned me into just silence was Inception. Like I, I was properly. Like, the whole film is mind-bending. And I don't think I've seen anything before or after that does the sort of work on screen that that film does. It's very much one on its own. Even, I mean, Tenet's fantastic. Stu, not the Matt, obviously. Um, But even that, I don't think hits the heights of Inception visually. So, yeah, Inception's one I'd I'd love to experience again just for that, that moment of just not having a fucking clue but loving it. There's a film I really want to give a second chance because I feel like I would love it, but for some reason I don't. And that's Jackie Brown. Mm. I saw it when I was maybe 15 or 16. I went to the cinema. It was one of the first films I saw, like an 18 when I was underage at the cinema. And I don't think I appreciated it. Whereas if I watched it now, I think it would be one of my favourite films. So I'd like to be able to just go back in with fresh eyes and not have that that preconception with watching it. Because mm. even when I watch it now, I still think, oh, I didn't like this back then. So I'd like to be able to just see it with fresh eyes for that reason. That's fair. It was a, it was a 15. So it was 97. Oh, was it a 15? Yeah, so right, it was 13. Okay. I mean, Th- okay, you might so have yeah. been about 18 at that point. I don't know. but um, 
I have, I haven't seen it since I watched it in the cinema. It was the same thing. We because I was tall yeah. and looking like Enrique, we got in easy, so we what a, what a problem. But I haven't seen it since. So no, that, I, I, I think we need to rewatch that one. Uh, and the other one, it was a film I went in with absolutely zero hopes of seeing it. Basically, I went because my friend wanted to go and she wouldn't want to go on her own, so I'll come with you. And it ended up being an almost perfect film, School of Rock. Like, I had no hopes, and it was just brilliant. And even to this day, I love seeing it, but it would be so nice just to have my hopes completely smashed because it is so good. I thought you were going to say Titanic then. (laughs) Nah. Nah, it's not a good film. Although it might be better than I remember Titanic. I think it might have a bit of the Jackie Brown that I didn't appreciate it at the time, but it might not be as bad viewing it now. I don't know. I just don't want to find out either with Titanic. (laughs) That's the only problem. (laughs) Three hours gone. Uh, Yeah, it is too much. So, Matthew, if you'd like to finish us off with your question. (laughs) Certainly (laughs) certainly will, my friend. Um, Basically, quite simply, I want to know also in the... um, in the after the conversation about Dead Man's Shoes, really, what is your favourite revenge revenge movie slash film? Andy Gillard. Oh, <clears throat> I've got ten written down. <laughs> Whoa. I, Whoa there. Well, technically, I've got eleven because one of them's a two-parter, and I genuinely don't know which one to pick. Um, right, Matt, I think I know what yours is going to be. I've got three down for uh, you, Stu. You, you Stu, don't, I don't know. You don't know what mine's going to be, my friend. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Right. The film I'm going to go for is Mean Girls. I love Mean Girls. I think it's such an underrated, great comedy at a time where Lindsay Lohan was a genuine star. Like, I don't know what the fuck happened to her after that because her Drugs. career just... Well, yeah, that, that's the <laughs> issue. Drugs and horrendous parenting. <laughs> no fucking way. Have I really stolen yours? It is just, it's just a great film, and it's one again I went to with no, absolutely no hopes of enjoying anything about it. I watched it because it was on a list of, like, films of two thousand and four or whenever it was released, and I've ended up absolutely adoring this film. Sorry, Matt. I no, it, is, it was it was my <laughs> it was my joke answer before the meat of the meat of my of my answer. To be fair. Mm. <laughs> Stu, what about you? There's only one, really. John Wick. I mean, if you can, if he can just about tolerate his wife being killed, but when the fuck with his dog, that's the end of the world. That's a line that crosses. That's beyond the pale. Yeah, it's just incredible. Just like all, all three of them, really. And I don't. I only watched them uh, just probably middle of last year, last summer. I watched all three of them again, so it's kind of fresh in my mind. But yeah, they were just amazing. For I mean, was it Gun Gun Fu or Gun Fu or something? They, they, they kind of called it after his uh, after the Matrix, and the gun work in this is better than the Matrix easily. And what more of a revenge revenge pot do you need other than a man's dog is killed after, and that's what tips him over the edge. So. I, I'm going to give mine, and then I'll Stu, I want between us, we want to guess the rest of Andy's list. Well, okay. I'll, I'll, I had three, so I know, I know one of them is definitely going to be on there. Okay. Well, I, I had a special mention to one that is 
criminally underrated, I think, as a film, and that's Harry Brown by, with Michael oh. Caine. Um, was that on yours, Joe? I'd I'd get Carter slash Harry Brown. <laughs> yeah, just like just a really great performance from like uh, this old man that just wants to be like left alone, but he has to take vengeance <laughs> on the on his uh, in his elderly neighbour that basically. Does he get killed, or does he have like a heart attack on the back of like? I think he does get killed, doesn't he? Don't ruin it for people. No, the the neighbour, <laughs> the neighbour um, that starts it off. Um, I so I got two legitimate answers. The first of all, mean like a comedy film in horrible bosses. Um, in that it is a revenge of sorts that doesn't actually kind of go the way you want it to. But I just think it's an excellent, funny film. Um, weird now because can you ever watch anything with Kevin Spacey in without? being a little bit put off. Um, and, tough, it? and also he uses the Americanism of the word twat and he says twat, which I always find really strange. Um, just doesn't work. And But the act, my legitimate answer is um, V for Vendetta, the film, because uh, basically it's everything that you want from a revenge. There's a, there's a legitimate plot there. It's killing off people one by one in creative ways. And it's got Natalie Portman in. So for that reason, it's my favourite revenge film. And you have a mask of it. And I have a mask of it, yeah, exactly. Um, and the um, the graphic novel is excellent as well. I think it's one of the first graphic novels I ever had. Um, and I'm sure now I've got... You know how like um, people who collect Pokemon cards or people who collect special coins or anything like that will, will get really rare ones, but they're worth loads more. I've got a misprinted V for Vendetta. And I don't know now if it's actually worth loads. Like the first page is completely like translucent, so you can just about see the print on it. And I'm wondering if that's like some special edition. Is it the graphic novel or is it the individual comic book? The graphic novel. Mm, probably not. No, thanks, thanks, mate. Sorry. <laughs> if it was the comic book, maybe I would need to have a look at it for you. But graphic novel, probably not. Now I've got probably a, just a, a very, very quick sidebar. I. Number one, I've got a, I've got a, I've got the Goblet of Fire first edition, which I'm very pr- pleased to have. But I also have a first edition hardback of William Regal's uh, Walking a Golden Mile. <laughs> so if anybody out there knows William Regal, because he used to, he was born in Codsall, <laughs> get him in touch so I can get my book signed. Um, and if it's ever worth anything, I'll have to give Compton Care in Wombourne um, a donation because I got it for fifty p. <laughs> so I, I'm pleased to say, Matt, V for Vendetta was the second film I had down for you. Right. Let's guess then. Let's guess what. You, so we came to. We know that the one is obviously Kill Bill Part One and Two because he kind of yeah. gave that away. Yeah. Um, old boy. Nope. Oh, interesting. Ex Machina. Yes. Yes. Mm. Ex Machina is a brilliant film. Really enjoyed that. Oscar Isaac, Donald Gleason, Alicia Vikander. Fucking great movie. Because because you're a bearded hipster, I don't think you'd have had Gladiator, but have you had Gladiator on there? No, nah. no, no I didn't think nah. you would have. That's a silly question. There's going to be like five films that no one's heard of about from him. Oh, you will definitely have heard of all these. Machete. Max... No, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about Machete, to be fair. Machete. Matt, if you think of a hobby we have in common. Oh. 
Actually, I'll be more specific. A film starring a wrestler. The wrestler? Mm-hmm. The wrestler? Would it... no, no, a wrestler. Oh, a wrestler. Um, so it... The greatest sportsman who's ever lived. The most electrifying one. Okay, so what film has The Rock been in that's that's a revenge movie? (laughs) He was in a film with Johnny Knoxville way, way back. Hold on, it's not the one... No, 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 it's not... No, he doesn't play the... It's not the Olympic one, is it? No. um, Oh, fuck, what's it called? I know this. Put me out of my misery, what is it? Walking Tall. Walking Bloody Tall, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What else have we got? Is anything else? Is anything? Uh, give us a clue. Um, right, okay. I've got one by QT. Another one by oh, Quentin Tarantino, I should say. Django and Shane. No. Oh, no. Oh, um, Inglorious. Yeah, 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 yeah. Inglorious Bastards. I prefer Inglorious Bastards. I think the end of Django, it goes on for about 40 minutes too long. Yeah, Good film, that, but the we? end yeah. kills it. Uh, I've got another film by one of my. All-time favourite directors, Christopher Nolan. Prestige. Oh, Memento. Yes. I was going to say. Oh, yeah, yeah I've got both Memento, of those films. Memento as well. I've got, yeah, I've got Prestige and Memento. Well, although, although, does Memento count if you've not got the tattoo of you? Hmm. That is very true. Yeah, I, I think Memento is like just one hell of a way to introduce yourself to Christopher Nolan's work. That tells you all you need to know about the, the majesty that is that man. Um, the other one you mentioned in your intro to it, Matt. Oh, in Dead Man's Shoes. Yeah. Just tremendous, isn't it? Um, it's so, <laughs> like, I watched it the other day. Christ, that film is bleak. Like, it's, it could not be a revenge film. It could have a completely different plot. But the way it's set and the way that, like, it, it encapsulates little village England is like it's bleak as fuck to be fair. <laughs> like it could just be like a moody like Channel Four show about like teenagers growing up somewhere. But just the way it's set, oh yeah, yeah. I needed like something happy and 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 sanitized to watch afterwards. I can't believe Price watched that after a defeat. Oh, I mean, don't need it here. Because I, I I did the same thing. I watched it again as well because it had been a, a a long time since I'd seen it, and I just couldn't get over the fact that. It, he was wearing poppers. <laughs> I mean, I must have been the only person in the entire country at that time who didn't own a pair of them Adidas poppers. No, trousers. I never had poppers either, Stu. Because no. you just used to go up to people and just pull them open. I mean, why? Why would you have trousers like that for? No. Um, Dead Man's Shoes, once all of this mess is over and done with, we'll have to do a cage cast on tour because they do a... Dead Man Shoes drinking um, tour of Matlock. Really? Yeah, so they go to all of the pubs, so you can do a pub crawl in Matlock of all the Dead Man Shoes pubs. Oh, yes. No way. So we'll, we'll have to do that. And it's not far. It's only like, what, 30, 40 odd miles away, if mm-hmm. that. So, yeah, we'll have to um, have a is dirty this, weekend in Matlock. Is this where we take the, my camper van on? on with yeah. The, like, you know, at the end of um, the end of Alpha Popper when they do the radio show on, like, in the, in the thing we just do for the camper van. <laughs> That's uh, exactly it, yeah. hold, hold on a minute. Does this mean it's technically camping, though? What do you mean? And it, it, if we find a field to camp in, then I suppose it would be. Because then we, we could, it, then the marshmallows on a fire could actually be a fire yeah. ice. 
Content, content, content. That's it. And one last film on the list. You're never going to guess this one. Stu, it's a Marvel film, but not part of the MCU. Oh, um, how old? 2005, I think it was. <sighs> Starring... Oh, I don't know if Thomas Jane was in this, but Thomas Jane has played this character. Warzone? Yes. Yeah. Punisher Warzone. Yeah. yeah. Um, great film. That's the closest to actually <clears throat> seeing a comic book on screen. It's Ray Stevenson plays this version of um, Frank Castle. Yeah, I don't think he only played it in the first one, didn't he? Yeah, I couldn't quite remember. So for Matt, I had two other guesses for you that I thought you were going to go for. Leon, I thought was going to be... That that was the outside bet was Leon. The number one choice I had down for you, though, was The Crow. Yeah, Hmm. I did. I did think The Crow. I think I've... I think I've... I've crowded up too much on this podcast so far. I think I need a break. (laughs) I'm, I'm becoming a bit typecast. So like I'll have to not mention V for Vendetta for a while, and that's why <laughs> like Forrest Gump hasn't made an answer for me in a while. So um, <laughs> try to give a bit of variety. But um, Leon is Leon a revenge film? It's a revenge film at the end, but I don't know. But um, I mean, Leon, God, that's got to be like if we ever do a question further down the line of the earliest eighteen you ever saw, that would be Leon. Basically, like, okay. like when you were like the youngest you've seen at 18, that's got to be up there. Mm-hmm. Just trying to think what my first 18 was. Um, I think it was Robocop. It was either Robocop or Child's Play. Mm. <laughs> Robocop was mine as well. Well, it was, my, it was the second one because I know what the first one was and I was seven years old when I watched The Fly. Oh, was it Flying 18, was it, at the time? <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Have you seen it? I've seen The Fly, yeah, but obviously... In the compared 80s? To, compared to now, like, it's not, you know... It was so bad that I had to sleep in my mum's bed for three months afterwards. Oh, God. <laughs> in mind, I was seven years old. <laughs> so, well, year three at primary school, and I, I watched um, the... F- now you contextualise it to, like... A school year now. Now I actually understand why you just yeah. like you were you watched that at that at that age, and then I watched RoboCop um, six seven six seven months later again because everything was just on telly. Why it? No one give a fuck. They just put it on telly. So we watched. I watched RoboCop, and I remember being a bit like, mm. but I was still free taped by the fly. So when when uh, Mister Kinney gets shot through the shot to death over the uh, over the plans of the uh, the new Detroit. That was quite terrifying at the time, but yeah. I was fine with RoboCop. It was RoboCop 2. There was something with some drug that always used to freak me out when they injected it into someone. When they put it in the neck I, and I, it just disappeared? Yeah. I can't quite remember what like the whole stuff. I just remember being really freaked the fuck out by this one drug in it. And I don't know what it was, but it just never sat right with me. And you get the um the cane robot as well, where he's he's teeth in the with his little clippers. When she she mm. uh, runs her fingers over, he's like, "Oh, we can get used to this." And now you can't. He's going to squish your head, and he does. <laughs> <laughs> Awful, yeah. 
Oh, well. <clears throat> so next up, we've got a picture pod. We're going to be rounding off the comedic cage season by watching a film that IMDb describes as after a personal visit from God himself, the eccentric construction worker Gary Faulkner takes the decision to embark on an adventure to the badlands of Pakistan to bring Al-Qaeda's leader Osama bin Laden to justice. <laughs> That's right, we're watching Army of One from 2016. I, I'd never heard of this film either. This is something that was brand new to me. So... We'll see where we go. Have either of you two heard of this before it was announced on this part? No, I hadn't heard of it. Um, I, it... I just, I've just googled it. I'm not going to look any more into it because of what I've just seen. <laughs> I, I need a clear head and uh, and a and a padded room. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's about right. This is going to be the first film that I watch twice for this podcast. Because I watched it the other day and I couldn't believe what I seen, what I'd seen, and I need to, I need to watch it again. It's, it's, just, it's, it's on Amazon Prime. It's free. Everyone go and watch it in preparation for next week. It's, it's a sight to behold. It's certainly something, and yep, it is available on Amazon Prime. So if you've got any stories or thoughts about this film that you want to send our way, please make sure you do so. Drop us an email to cagefightingpod at gmail.com. You can also use that email address if you've got any reviews or you want to tell us about any films that we should be watching. Obviously, we've asked for today for some input on anime, so if you've got any anime, let us know. Also, make sure you got us followed on the Twitter, at CageFightingPod. Whilst you're at it, because you're already listening to this podcast, make sure you've hit that subscribe button. And if we can just ask for 10 seconds of your time, please leave us a review. It helps with all the algorithms and means that other people may find us. Thanks again for your continued support. We really do genuinely appreciate you giving us an hour of your week every time. It's great. Thank you. So for this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, guys. Look after yourselves. Stu, would you like to say goodbye? Yeah, I mean, but if people want to send voice clips as well that we can throw in, that'll be welcome. Yeah, absolutely. Send them MP3s. We can get them in here. That'd be fantastic. Good call, that is, Stu. Yeah, so uh, until next time. I can be your hero, baby. (laughs) Ta-ra. It's goodbye from me. And remember... Be excellent to each other.